0: Today we're going to be looking at James chapter 3 verses 1 through 12, so if you want to go ahead and turn there, um, I'll go ahead and pray and we'll get started. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is truth, that your word is a double-edged sword, but it is a healing sword. We thank you that you are full of love and that the aim of our charge is to be love that proceeds from a pure heart a good conscience, and a sincere faith. So, Lord, we pray that you would give us all of those things, that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear, and especially that, having heard, we might understand that we would meditate on your word as you call us to do and that it would be effectual in us for our growth towards you and towards one another. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, for those of you who don't know me, My name is Brian Simpers. I have been attending Grace Covenant since 1999, which is hard to believe. I am the father of three. I've been married over 30 years. Been an elder at Grace Covenant. I don't even know how long. I I honestly don't know. I know it was sometime before Brandon left, but before Dennis got here. Um. And it's been my privilege to serve both Grace Covenant and the greater community in basically educational capacity. So what you're getting is not a pastor, you're just getting an amateur. So, But as some people like to say, a gifted amateur, so I'll take a little refuge in that. So today we are looking at James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. However, for context, and here's where you need to buckle up, however, for context, we will also be looking at James 1.26, James 3.16, and James 4.1. Fortunately, James is not a long book, so it doesn't require a lot of turning. So let's go ahead and dive into the Word, starting with verse 1, chapter 3. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. And we'll look at James, flip back and look at James 1, 26, and I'll read 27 also because I love it. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained by the world. Now we're going to go to James four one. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this that your passions are at war within you? And now James three sixteen. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. There is a flow to James's argument that makes sense. I know when I was younger and prone to run my mouth to the detriment of others and myself, my parents often pointed to today's text. (laughs) However, this passage isn't meant to be taken out of its context. Yes, indeed, the Word of God is powerful and effective and good for doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness, Though it is far better to see what James is saying as a piece of a much bigger whole than just a convenient moralistic exercise or sound advice or something to discipline your children with. Though it's effective for all of that. To review, since it has been a little while since we were in this book, the author of this letter is James, sometimes known as James the Just. He was the half-brother of Jesus and a leader of the church in Jerusalem. James wrote this letter to the, quote, 12 tribes in the dispersion. And these would be Jewish Christians living in exile around the Mediterranean, usually in poverty. Usually in poverty and almost always under persecution. Lost my place. Yeah. And it's important Because of that, to recognize that James is writing to churches. Because the context of these verses is the relationship of individual tongues and individual bodies to the collective body of Christ as manifested in these churches. Let me repeat, because that was a lot of words. The context of these verses we are looking at today is the relationship of individual tongues and individual bodies to the collective body of Christ is manifested in these church bodies. Churches similar to ours. How do I know that? Well, just as the old saying goes that a fish rots from the head down, this passage starts with James directly addressing the teachers of those churches, what we would call pastors and elders. And what does he say? Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness for we all stumble in many ways. And if you are a teacher, this is intimidating. I've been a school teacher for longer than I have been an elder and have worked in museums and education with schools almost continuously since 1995. I can, as can we all, attest to the positive influence a good teacher can have or likewise to the incredible damage a bad teacher or even a good teacher having a bad day can have. And in those instances, we are only talking about geometry or AP human geography. Yeah, I didn't make that up. That's actually a class. It doesn't take much imagination to extrapolate the damage to Christ's body that a reckless or self-indulgent or just having an off-day church teacher can do. So James starts with the church teachers. If they can't control their tongues, and he makes it sound here like they can, not then how can the other members be expected to? How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. See, the flames spread to the congregation. The tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things, sort of like the colloquial expression of someone's mouth writing checks that their body can't cash. Or maybe in this case, a better expression might be like a child playing with matches and gasoline. Now, this is where we want to flip back a page and look at James one twenty-six. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is what? Worthless. A believer's religion is worthless if he or she can't control themselves. So why can't they control themselves? This is where we refer to James 4.1 by jumping forward a page. Why can't we control ourselves? What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? James is telling us as Christians that we have dissension in the body of Christ because people in the church, likely starting with leaders, Run their mouths. They run their mouths carelessly, recklessly, and irreligiously because their passions are at war within them. I have, along with my fellow elders, been deluged with articles and things to read as we attempt, by God's grace, to fill our pastoral vacancy. And as I meditated on this sermon, I am reminded that while James is absolutely correct in starting in this instance with the teachers in these churches. In our day and age, the flaming tongues can and do just as easily start among the congregation. One of the articles we were sent, titled You Probably Have a Good Pastor by Todd Pruitt, says, In 35 years of vocational ministry, I have known very few people who can honestly say that they were bullied or abused by their pastor. On the other hand, I have never spoken to a pastor who has not been mistreated, slandered, undermined, or run off by church members, an associate pastor, elders, deacons, or all of the above. And I have known more than a few who have been so cruelly treated that they have been left deeply scarred along with their families. This is people, Christians, slandering and defaming their pastors and running them off, scarring some so badly that they quit the ministry? This absolute need to bridle the tongue combined with James's exploration of the power of the tongue relative to its size is absolutely vital. Listen to James chapter 3, verse 2. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. See, bridling or taming or controlling the individual tongue is the goal. But what does James actually see in reality? Go to verse 8. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. We know this very well in the 21st century. We of all the Christians in all of the centuries, especially here and now, need to spend time meditating on this passage. We heard from one of our missionaries that over 200 churches a week close their doors in the United States. When you combine that with what James says in this letter and then read through the articles like the one Pruitt wrote, it all starts to make sense. How so, Brian? Well, let's look at what James is doing here as a rhetorician. The Jewish rhetorical tradition is over 4,000 years old, and it wasn't until 2007 that Jewish and rhetoric Western scholars met and began to look at it together. Now, I hope to learn four more about it in the coming months, but what I do know about the Jewish tradition is that the law, the Ten Commandments, is central. And the emphasis in, what, in that tradition is not about individual relationship with God, which is very Western, but on a communal relationship with God. And this has direct application to what James is saying in our text. When seen through this lens, both the written and spoken word have power, and it is an heuristic power the power to both create and the power to destroy. In the Jewish rhetorical tradition, words, either written or spoken, create and destroy and therefore must be treated with respect. When to use words and when not to use words is rooted in the Ten Commandments. Look at the ramifications of the Ninth Commandment. When seen correctly, it is about far more than simply lying. Get this. There is no difference between damaging speech and physical damage. If you doubt that, then why did Jesus say, Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire? Because in the Jewish tradition, it is sometimes a greater crime to speak than to act. Calumny is a form of false or malicious statements that can be considered slander, it damages three times. Think about it. Say something false. It damages the speaker, it damages the person being calumnied, and it damages the listener. Lasha hurrah is damaging speech that is true but with the specific object of harm. Like when Haman reported that Esther was Jewish. Why did he do that? He said something that was true, but why? In an attempt to start a genocide. Think about this. Is it any coincidence that when the disease of leprosy, which literally rots the body, is mentioned in the Jewish rhetorical tradition, it is associated traditionally by them with liars and slanderers? Come think it through with me. Using words to get what you want has never been easier. The internet does not require a stage or any particular rhetorical skill. In fact, it seems to reward the least intellectually blessed among us. All that is required is opposable thumbs. With autocorrect, you don't even have to know how to spell. (laughs) Clicks have never been easier than they are now. Doubt me? All right. Minor example. How many group chats are you a part of? What gets talked about in those group chats? What is the goal? Is the concern to build one another up, supporting one another? Or is it about saying whatever you want about people that you know, or getting what you think is rightfully yours, whether it is recognition or respect or validation? Is it about service or is it about being served? Is there prayer going on for your leadership or for fellow believers? Or are you complaining about them instead of going and talking to them? And there's my personal favorite, the apex of passive aggressiveness, the online review or comment card. (laughs) James is reminding us that individual members are part of a communal church body, and so we need to vigorously police our words. James is not saying that we don't confront or exhort or admonish each other. And I personally have no problem with confrontation. If you have something to say to me, you can say it. I mean, I was raised in a family, besides being raised stark raving Presbyterian, I I was raised in a family whose love language is actually sarcasm. And that's the truth. But as the Holy Spirit has worked on me, I hold my tongue now far more than I used to. I probably still use it too much. But as James is telling us, the bridle doesn't crush the horse's mouth. And those of us who are familiar with horses know that. At least a good bridle doesn't. What does it do? It simply guides the horse onto the right path. The rudder doesn't sink the ship or restrain it. It guides it. But in our present time of November 2023, it has never been easier to communicate faster. And it has never been easier to be misunderstood. Add to that the overall increase in sensitivity, and you have all the ingredients for rhetorical wildfires. In fact, the speed with which we are able to communicate allows huge brush fires to get started over miscommunication. When I was a firefighter, I was uh, called out. It was like the only time I was ever really in a fire, fire. It was a brush fire. We were working, facing this direction, and all of a sudden, Somebody taps me on the shoulder and blew in the shovel thing. I turn around, there's fire behind us. (laughs) Having been in something like that, you can totally, and even if you haven't, the imagination and... That's how quick it can happen in a church. I mean, think about it. My fellow believers... even before you incorporate the desires that James talks about in chapter 4, verse 1, even believers, Christians who have read Matthew 18, 15, will very often feel far more comfortable They'll report or slander someone who offended them rather than following what Jesus actually said and going and speaking to them. And I don't mean speaking to them via text. I mean actually going and facing them. Parenthetically, I will say that in 2023, we Christians also chronically misinterpret what offends actually means, because now people get offended by things that aren't what the Bible would call offenses, you know, actual sins. I see it frequently as a teacher. Tommy doesn't like Taylor Swift, so I'm offended. I I work with sixth graders. (laughs) But then there's also the one that's a little closer to home, and I'm not picking on them because I don't like them, but there's the Gen Y millennial. My boss is bossing me around, like wanting me to actually do my job, so I'm offended. Hashtag offended life. You know? But seriously and generationally, the rise in teen suicides is inextricably connected to the relatively new and sad word in our lexicon, cyberbullying. Just to give you an idea of how much access there is to words out there now, as of January 2023, the app Instagram had two billion monthly users. That's billion with a B. No wonder it is so easy to thoroughly destroy someone now. How about that other word we have of being canceled? People are saying something someone doesn't like that goes viral. Millions of people are offended in less than five minutes, and that person can't communicate online. And now banks and stores are getting in on the act, preventing the offenders from buying and selling in the marketplace. So now we see the sin of partiality that James spoke of in chapter 2. We see it's alive and well online in the virtual realm and it also manifests itself physically and all because of what? Words. Tongues. I mean, think about it. Why do you sit next to the people you sit next to in church? We tend to lean towards comfort and once we have our niche, we tend to stay in it. But what if there was someone who needed to be sat with? Well, How would you know if you didn't talk to them? But that takes time and it takes effort. Building relationships is a process. One careless word can destroy years of work while an intentional kind word can build overnight. But we as a culture would much rather flame someone. Isolated in our digital or political or socioeconomic levels, our self-generated virtual gated community ghettos, beset by fear of losing comfort and control, We cling desperately to the illusions provided by our passions. Then, once we are isolated, Satan comes as a lion seeking whom he may devour, and the pickings are easy. The church body is weakened by the members attacking each other, or anyone for that matter. A house divided against itself cannot stand. The church that does not guard its tongues suffers from a self-induced autoimmune disorder. And in James chapter 3, James is addressing all of this. He says, verse 6, the tongue is a what? A fire. He says, in verse 8, it is full of what? Deadly poison. He says, with it, the tongue, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. Verse 9, refer back, why do we do these things? Well, he says in James 4, 1, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? And what happens then, James 3.16, where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. Disorder seems to be the rule of the day in our nation. Words have successfully divided companies, neighbors, and families. Definitions are being rewritten in real time. Remember when gay meant happy? Remember when a recession was an economic downturn? Remember when a Trump was something you used in a card game? The Christian life is individual. We can each have reconciliation with God the Father through His Son, Jesus Christ. But the love that Christ pours into us through the Holy Spirit then empowers us to move to acting with a love that is a communal action. The first objective of the use of the tongue is to praise God. Then you are what James calls a spring of fresh water. Then with that same tongue, you can nourish others. A song of praise, an affirming statement, a loving admonition, a sisterly rebuke, a teaching opportunity, a confession of sin and an apology. These are all legitimate uses of our tongues as members of the body of Christ. We all know how to do these things. No special eloquence or rhetorical talent or training is required. Our religion is corporate. A pastor friend of mine said many times, we better all learn to get along together down here because God ain't going to have it up there. <laughs> to summarize, James says it doesn't matter who you are in the church, a leader or a volunteer or a virtual attendee. If we give way to selfish ambitions and desires and we unbridle our tongues and let them loose to the poison and flame each other, then our religion is worthless. We'll be so consumed that we will be unable to properly serve the widows and orphans and the homeless and the missionaries and the strangers that come in our gates. We will be just another bunch of squabbling, petty human beings who ignore our joy as image bearers for self-satisfaction, revenge, likes, and clicks. I would encourage you to think about these verses over the holidays. We are heading into Advent, and that is a season that reminds us of God's reconciling love And the joy that is ours in Christ Jesus. Amen? All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, cold and rainy though it may be, it reminds us that you bring the weather as you decree it and the seasons move at the whisper of your command. And we are reminded as we think about that that you created the world, the universe, With words, you spoke, and then there was light. It was a beautiful statement. Let us be light bringers. Let us be spirit sharers. Let us be those people who love not just with their deeds, but let us love one another with our mouths. Let us speak what is true in love. Let us think we before we speak. Let us remind ourselves that gentle words are the words that you used the majority of the time. In Jesus' name, amen.